Sup, folks. This episode features our good friend, Ida. You'll recognize her amazingly talented voice from the theme song of this very podcast. And in this episode, we discuss how writing and listening to music helps both of us cope with all things life. We also discuss the challenges of moving to a new country as a person of color and adapting to a very different culture. We talk about what human connection means and how important it is to find your community. Enjoy! Hey everyone listening, welcome to Fuck Small Talk. My name is Ida, I'm a singer-songwriter and I'm just here to talk about, I was invited here by these two beautiful souls, uh, Daniel and Ashe, to talk about a topic that's really, really dear to me and that's human connection. So I hope you'll take a listen and I hope you'll enjoy. So how do how do you know us? <laughs> <laughs> well, you guys got in touch. You needed a singer. Somebody told you I was a singer. I can't remember who. Dave Alvarez. Yes. Okay. These are where the connections are forming. <laughs> Dave Alvarez. Yeah. Told you. You studied with him. So he is dating my childhood best friend. Caitlin. Okay. Mm-hmm. You actually kind of look the same, you and her. Yeah? Yeah. Oh, I'll tell her that. <laughs> I mean, we spent enough time, we could be sisters. <laughs> You're both really, like, there's, she's really cool, you're she really, cool. really cool. Uh, so that's fun. And, and yeah. I don't actually know how you met Dave. Through the ex-boyfriend. Oh. So, uh, because the ex-boyfriend was helping out with, you know, admin work and stuff, he decided to uh, look for some sort of organization that he could maybe volunteer for that would... Um, you know, help him understand the music industry a little better. And he found the uh, IRCPA. I can't remember what it stands for, but it's uh, a non-for-profit organization that's been started by um, this older woman. I think she's in her 70s. Her name is Anne. She used to be an author back in the 60s. She was an opera singer herself. And she's just very plugged in today in the classical world. And she's trying to start, you know, this... Um, organization so that classical singers and musicians can have access to resources for their music, whether financial resources or accommodation. I think she's trying to start some sort of a house or residence for classical musicians to have access to, to, you know, be able to focus on their music and that sort of stuff. And um, then we found out that David, you know, had done a music business program and like, it was just kind of like, okay, I'm, well, my girlfriend's, my ex, my girlfriend's a singer and yeah. you know, we could use some help. And we just kind of started like, you know, hitting up each other whenever there was an event or something. And my ex-boyfriend became a board member of that organization. Oh, okay. <clears throat> so he would go and, and just help out wherever he could. Um, I did a little bit of volunteer work for them as well whenever they had events. And uh, yeah, that's, that's kind of how we met David. Gotcha. Yeah. Small world. Right. And David, David is David is a you know a great company. 
Yeah. He's amazing. Yeah. I like he's him. He's a great guy. And then we had a great little chat in the coffee shop. Yeah. Yeah. That was our first time meeting. That I would f- like to know our first, your first impression of us. I had a great time, <laughs> honestly. Okay. That's yeah. really good to know. Good to know. <laughs> Why? You've heard otherwise from other people? I mean, no, but I just feel like I am self-conscious at how intense I and we can come off. Sometimes I feel like we can come on pretty strong. Yeah. And so... We're just like a lot of energy. Well, it's funny you say that because I feel like I come off really strong. Uh, I think we were like, oh my God, our people. (laughs) Like like some people just don't respond to like that level of like, yeah. I don't know. That's cool. That that passion. No, I just, I felt like, I felt like at home, you know, it was very easy to talk to you guys. It was nothing that I had never been used to. It was actually kind of refreshing sitting with people who are open to talking about anything and everything. Uh, without fear, so well, that's kind of our that's kind of our shtick, right? Like, if if you think about if Danny and I ever and people who've listened to the podcast will know this because we say it all the time. But the reason we kind of got into this is to have those kinds of conversations. Is yeah, that we were we found we were having them um, in our kind of own our personal lives a lot, and we're like, we love this is what it's about that vulnerability that rawness that um the human connection that little piece there yeah that's what this is all about that's what we took energy from and we said how can we do this more often and how can we do this in a way that's a little bit more exciting get to meet new people all the time um and that's how the podcast kind of came to be Mm -hmm. and so i i think it i think you're right i think it all does come back to that human connection i think i think that's something that totally we were able to find with you very easily uh in that coffee shop and then that's the reason we do this yeah right yeah i think you could say like the the people to people interactions we have make or break like that's my definition of success mm-hmm. in, in a lot of areas of my life is just that people and human connection which i think from what i've heard you're really passionate about as well mm-hmm. just like especially and i i'd love to give i don't want to steal your thunder or anything but i'd just love to hear like why people is important to you like why getting together and being a part of communities and why why are humans so crucial like I think by default we're we're sociable people. Uh, like humans are social creatures. Actually. Yeah, yeah, okay. we're social creatures. We can't like it's putting up a front to say that you know we're supposed to be individualistic. It doesn't work that way. Um, I have African roots and I've been to Africa, and uh, when I turn on the TV and I look at you know a Discovery Channel type of channel, uh, I don't see the same. Africa is what these channels are trying to portray. I see community. I see people who, you know, don't care for more, who just care for, okay, let's go out and get some food. Let's go get some water. And, you know, let's go back home to our shelter. And they care for those and those people around them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Have a little activity there, here and there. And that's just like sort of the base of life to me. I didn't grow up. I didn't grow up in Africa, but I grew up with African roots. I grew up in France. And again, in France, what's interesting is that there's a sense of expression. It's okay to have personality and to be unique and to express yourself. So growing up in that environment kind of gave me, you know, this freedom to just be myself. And moving to North America, it kind of became a little tricky. I felt like, you know, having personality was just too much for people. Uh, We don't do that. We're a little more discreet. You know, we don't make too much noise and all that stuff, which is kind of counter. Like it's it's yeah, they're barriers. Those are barriers to connection. There's right? walls and stuff. There's yeah. walls. You're putting up walls, and you have to uh, like 
behave certain ways in certain environments. Like it's, to fit it's in. yeah, it's not a completely open space all the time. To and just I think have it's that sad. Personality. And I, I think one thing that your your thought there just kind of triggered in me is that yeah, you're putting up walls externally, but by not having a space where you can be yourself and not like have to think about what you're putting out there means that you're putting up walls for your like against yourself too you don't get to know your true self of course right and i think that's huge that is huge you're holding on you're holding you know all your impulses inside part of the reason there's probably there's a lot of problem with anxiety depression heart attacks like these are problems that i you know heard about more moving here and it's because oh, we're mm. scrutinizing them t- for just being yeah and it's like well why are we doing this is it a better way to control a, a population yeah, I, I, I'm, I have no idea. And it's interesting, like, when you mentioned anxiety, when I... Uh, have you guys heard of code switching? Like no. When, no. So it's when you adjust your language um, to the environment you're in. Okay. And I've heard it most often. I think I actually heard it best explained in, in just my scope on The Nod. Actually, it was an episode where they were talking about this because she was saying, like, she works in a call center, the, the guest that they had on. And she said when she talks on the phone, so she's black, and she was like, I edit, I code switch at work so that they can't tell I'm black because then I get treated a certain way. And then she's like, but then if I'm with my, uh, in my community or with my family, she code switches back to what she is naturally would talk as. Mm-hmm. And it's just interesting hearing how people switch the style of their language to their environment. And when I did that, when I was younger, it was like, okay, this is at work, Danny. And this is like friend, Danny. When I did that and I edited so much of what I said, there was so much anxiety in my head. And the more I broke down those walls and just freely talked the exact same in every environment, I was like, oh, I'm no longer being not authentic. I'm just authentic in every space because I don't actually change that much. And it's been really helpful, but I'm also coming from a place of privilege there. So we can talk about that if you want. Yeah, the analogy I kind of thought of there is, and this is, this could be a very bad analogy, so bear with me. (laughs) (laughs) I do things on the fly a lot. Edits, edits, edits. (laughs) Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But um, what I pictured is like, okay, because I thought about roots and I was like, okay, well, what is that kind of code switching and that having different areas where you're putting a different version of yourself out there mm-hmm. what does that do to a yourself and what does that do to your ability to form deeper connections have <clears throat> deeper roots with people yeah and i think it's detrimental to me it's like hey i'm if i'm trying to have a garden and i plant six different flower beds that are a foot deep each right think about the time and energy that's going to take to maintain all of those yeah right and, and go through and oh my god there's six different ones i have different plants they're only a foot deep so there's a lot of younger they're not getting as big they're not getting as strong they're not mm-hmm. getting as deep or if i just made one really big really deep flower bed and that was my flower bed for everybody just one and that's me that's yeah. a that is my flower bed that everyone sees it's got deep roots it's going to be a lot easier i don't have to think about switching i'm just my authentic self all the time there you go right and i think not only does that help me connect with myself but would you say that it makes it easier for other people like you to to connect with with somebody who's like that? Absolutely. Oh yeah. And this isn't to say that you can't adapt to your environment. Like I I did a little bit of acting and in acting one of the things that you learn is that you have you sort of put on different hats depending on the people around you, you know? When I'm with my mom, um, you know, Ida with her mom. When I'm at work, I'm Ida at work. I have to have a certain etiquette. But to just completely transform yourself into something that you're not to the point where you're not even 
you can't recognize your authentic self is sort of the point that you don't want to reach. It's about it's about moderation. Even in acting, you don't want to reach that point. In acting, do you want to reach that point? Do you want to completely morph yourself into something else? Acting is different because it's an art form. True. But in the real world, like... Yeah, dangerous. And even with actors, it's dangerous. You yeah. look at actors who've done that in their career and they go home and they can't remember who they are. And that's why I think it's that code switching can make it really confusing. Yeah. We're humans are just so complex as people to begin with. Yeah. And then, as you said, we're social creatures, right? Yeah. And so you add in the complexity of, hey, there's three other people in this room that all have their own complexities and all of our complexities are constantly yeah. mingling and touching. Holy shit. If I have to constantly think about what I'm putting out there. Yeah. But at the same time, there are much more similarities to us than there are differences. Because oh we're that. human. I, like I love that. You know? Yeah. yeah. Like, we react to the same things. I, and I see it happen all the time. You know, if I'm if I'm driving at a red light, you know, the guy behind me is going to be like, well, that's crazy. And it doesn't matter what color he is. Mm-hmm. We'll still, we're all going to react that way. Yeah. So, I don't know why we're, we're trying to categorize people no, so exactly. much. So, then how, you mentioned moving from, like, very different environments. Like, yeah. how have you... I don't want to say combated, but I'm going to say combated. But how have you combated yeah. that code switching or that isolation? And like, how have you ingrained yourself in communities that you now consider yourself a part of? Or maybe so. It was a very confusing time moving uh, from friends to the time that I, the you know, last nine years that I spent. I feel like just now, I'm okay. I'm understanding the culture and how I, you know, need to behave to fit in and sort of how I can also be myself in that culture i'm starting to find a place um but the confusing part of of being here for me was that uh none of these things occur to me you know mm. at first i was just here montreal this is fun i'm just going to school. Around. yeah i'm going to school <laughs> yeah everybody speaks french there's nothing different from you know what i what i've known before everything just seemed the same and yeah. it's uh, maybe, you know, you, you do five, six years, you're, you really get into the, you know, into, deep into the culture. You've, you've gone to school, you've gone to driving license, you have a job, you know, you're now making money, you're paying for rent, that you start to pay more attention to the way people interact with you and how, you know, your behavior, the way people interact with your behavior as well. Mm-hmm. Then I moved to Toronto and it was kind of like back to square one. This is Toronto. Yay. (laughs) I have a boyfriend now and I live with him and I'm going to work. You know, it's just you're kind of like on not on autopilot, but you're you're oblivious. There's too much stimulation and like new things that you're like, okay, I'm just moving forward. You're oblivious to things. And then. But yeah, I think. And then because of those, you stay at a surface level. Right? Yeah. There's so many things to look at on the surface yeah. that you're just like, oh, I'm just going to stay up here for a while and you yeah. never really go deeper. Yeah. So you stay there for a while and you don't even realize that that's what you're doing, right? No. Until, you know, you start to sink in the bottom and mm-hmm. in, the, in, the, in the depth of, you know, the city that you live in. And again, you start seeing things that you'd never seen before. And uh, people start to make comments to you. With me, it was at school, especially when I went to school and, you know... I felt like I was the girl with the the strong personality. Mm. And I didn't really know what that meant because I'd never been told that before. Yeah. Back in back home, I just I was just me. Yeah. It was just Ida. Um. So it was like, what do you mean I have a strong personality? What am I? It sounds like it has a bad connotation. How do I change that? All of a sudden, you know, uh, 
we were giving me tips. Maybe you should fake it till you make it. One teacher told me. Somebody actually told you that? A teacher. Oh, no. I went up to her. Fuck that. I hate that. And I hate, like, I I already hated that expression uh, because I felt like people were misunderstanding it and misusing it. But to hear a teacher tell me. I think that teacher was misunderstanding and misusing their authority and their power in that scenario. Oh, my goodness. I think so, too. And again, I didn't want to. I I didn't want to, you know, I, I wanted to listen to her and I wanted to, I wanted to be open-minded. So I told yeah. myself, all right, I guess I'm going to smile more now. And that makes sense. As uh, Your teachers are authority figures. They're, they're supposed to be the ones that guide you properly. Yeah. And so you hearing that, naturally, you're like, okay, maybe there's, they know something I don't know. And I think I was, she was putting me in that, you know, angry black women box and uh, she wasn't she wasn't saying that but this is where she was putting me yeah just fake it till you make it you know it'll be fine and i was like i've never done this before i don't it's not me i just don't fake stuff like not to that degree at least no and i personally hate the smile more connotation i just hate it because like i also have resting bitch face have you heard that before Why do people always tell women to smile more? it like drives thing, me really because that is so oh God, in yeah. terms of like gender and like the history of our roles i feel like it was more like we were labeled as like your role is compassion nurturing all of these things and they're associated with like positivity to like support the man and his manliness yeah. and all this stuff so then it was like you have to smile to support the view of like what the perfect woman should be and looked and act and all these things and so then if we're not doing that, it's like, oh, well, you're participating now. Then you need to, like, step up those characteristics. Like, smile more. You're making me uncomfortable. You look like you're thinking. What's up with that? So I And I also, like, look really mad when I'm not doing anything with my face. And so people have told me that my whole life. And my mom also experienced that. So then she was like, no, no, no. It's just our faces. Like, <laughs> it's all good. I'm sorry I genetically passed this on to you. <laughs> but, yeah, no, it's it's no one's right to tell you i mean it's kind of elementary to me that we have to explain to people is just our faces yeah like why don't you just assume that maybe you know that's just how she looks let's have a conversation with her like initiate a an interaction with her and see where that goes yeah i i don't i I had and it's funny you mentioned is that a comment that is geared towards women because i had that happen to me when i was in montreal i was working for cineplex i worked for cineplex for two years and i was you know at my post where you're tearing the the, yeah. the tickets and i'm just standing there it'd been a long day there's you know nothing really exciting about that role and uh there's a movie that's about to start so like i get a little bit of a rush and um at the end of the rush there's this couple who come in and the cineple- the movie theater was located in an area where there was a lot of restaurants and bars so people would go to the bar go to the restaurant get a couple of drinks eat and then come to the movies and they're a little, you know, tipsy mm-hmm. and whatnot. And this woman comes in and, you know, I have my hat on, I have my uniform and I'm just there. Uh, not, necessarily, not necessarily happy, not necessarily unhappy, just like in a very neutral mood. And she goes, well, what, what's wrong with you? you? You should put a smile on your face. And that upset me so much because it's like, why are you assuming that I'm unhappy? Yeah. Just because I'm standing there. And so I, my face changed. I showed her. Uh, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, I'm not unhappy. But right now I'm upset because, yeah. one, I'm getting uh, unsolicited 
advice from someone I don't know. And two, you're completely off track with who you think I am. Just give me a ticket and move on, you know? <laughs> Let me move on. Go watch your movie. Later. Go watch your movie. <laughs> and I was in a position where I couldn't really defend myself because yeah. I'm at work. I can't start screaming no. or I'm the one that gets the warning. Yeah, yeah. Yep. And that storyline happens way too often. Right? Way, way too, too often. often. Um, what is the support networks that you've like put in place to help uh, adjust to new environments and like to cope with certain things and like to deal with some of these moments where you can come home or like talk to somebody and be like, hey, like this just fucking happened and I'm really pissed off about it. And yeah. I couldn't forget it. Like, like, like after that story, like what did you do? I had no support network whatsoever. I'm still trying to like have find a network. I was kind of on my own, even if I was living with a family member who was also trying to figure out how to, you know, navigate her new life in this new country. So there was that. I didn't necessarily want to um, find the French community because I left friends to be away from French people. That was my whole, my whole MO was like, I'm leaving friends to be around North American people. I don't want to, I don't want to speak French with French people. It d defeats the purpose of being here. Yeah. Uh, but the more I, the more, you know, I progressed into my journey as an immigrant here in, in North America, in Canada, the more I realized the importance of having people who are from where you're from, you know, just kind of like, and then you don't have to hang out with them all the time, but just having that connection, that, that simplicity in conversation, the understanding, the understanding is, is huge. Um, so the only times that I would really get to, you know, sort of cope would be, you know, either with music or I would write stuff, little blurbs, little things of what I wish it said to these people, write that in the form of a song <clears throat> and go and record it. I had my producers at the time in Montreal when I was re uh, recording my, my uh, first EP with them. And I would tell them about these stories and they were, you know, they were pretty understanding about the situation. They also were born in Montreal, so they knew those characters, those character traits. So that was nice. Um... And then moving to Toronto, uh, the one person right now that I can that I think of as being my you know, support network is one of my uh, coworkers. His name is William. I do background checks right now, so uh, we have you know clients when they uh, they they when they hire people or are uh, prospecting hiring certain people, we do their background checks. We call their references and schools oh, okay, and that cool. sort of stuff. And um, it's, it's you know it's pretty fun job and i have this one co-worker we usually it's just usually him and i in the office because everybody else everybody else works from home and i just he's awesome like that guy should be one of the guys that you should that you should uh interview yeah sure. he's All like right. he's like the quiet type you know he's the like people don't notice him he's sort of the guy that's that would be deemed as the nerd in most north american movies yeah but he's so so wise and I guess that's one of the things that I was attracted to. Like, I would always say hello when I worked there three years ago. He was always a person that I would go and say hello to or ask questions because it, it just felt so easy talking to him. And since I got back to the office, I've just been, like, talking to, to him about everything. My oh, relationships. So yeah, he's been, he's been really great. And sometimes that's all you need is someone... I don't... I sometimes I'll tell stories then people are so ready to, like, cut me off to give advice. And I'm like, all I want you to do is just be like... 
that sucks and I am sorry you went through that. Yeah. Like empathy is so powerful. Of course. And it's like immediately people are like, well, maybe they were just trying to, it's like, no, like just acknowledge that it was a rough time and this was hard. And then like, that's all I need from my support network and to have somebody with a deep connection is just. And it sounds like what you're saying is that you have had a time where you needed a connection because like you said we're social creatures yeah we need those connections you needed something oh, yeah. like that and then you didn't get and you felt isolated right and then now with William you're able to find that and, and a big part of why I think us as people need connections is so we cannot feel isolated right yeah and I think that there's a lot and there's been a lot of studies on this I don't I'm not quoting them verbatim because I really don't know them <laughs> but for humans again coming back to the social creatures point there's chemical and physiological and actual changes that happen in our bodies when we're isolated for too long that's of course chemical changes that create depression and hormones and and physical changes sadness weakness tiredness fatigue all this stuff happens in isolation um what i'm kind of driving at i guess my question is um in your experience you move you've lived in a couple big cities um and i know danny and i have lived in a couple cities as well um, <laughs> gestures to Mississauga as I a gesture. whole. Yes, Mississauga is the is a big city for me. Growing up in Brantford, Danny and in Uxbridge, mm-hmm. so I I've always felt like, despite the fact that in a city like Toronto, in a city like Montreal, um, I'm sorry, I don't know exactly the city you're from in Paris. Uh, in Paris. France. So in France. <laughs> sorry, brain fart. So close, so close. So I don't close. know the city, I'm sorry, I don't know the city you're from in France, or if it was a town or what, what the deal was there, but I found that in big cities, despite there being so many more people, mm-hmm. it's so easy to feel isolated. Of course. Yeah. Do you have any thoughts on that? Like, and how cities and towns, while in theory there should be way more opportunity for connection, that doesn't necessarily always come through. What, what's your experience been with that? In Paris, um, oh, it I was didn't, Paris. Yeah, it was Paris. <laughs> <laughs> Just Paris. <laughs> I didn't feel that way in Paris, and maybe that I'm a little isolated. I didn't feel isolated. Gotcha. No. And maybe I'm a little biased there, uh, but you know, I grew up. I went to school there, so I had a lot of friends. Uh, you know, when I go back, interestingly enough, when I go back, my friends are still there. Huh? And I've been here for nine years. I was just there like two months ago for one of my best friend's wedding she's getting married and all of our childhood girlfriends were there so it's like you know they're still they're living their lives i'm living my life things are changing but you know we when i go there it's still the same i'm the same girl and it's really refreshing um moving here i had a problem uh with isolation and i think a lot of people do and i think it it stems from the fact that North America is very business-oriented, at least the big cities. You know, Toronto reminds me a lot of... New- when I first moved here, I was like, wow, this is a mini New York. And I don't know what mm-hmm. it's like living in New York, but... I've heard that feedback a lot. Yeah, I have too. I've gone to New York, and it's like, people are on the move. We're yeah. moving, moving, moving. Head down in their yeah. own world, headphones on, I noticed up. a lot of similarities. Right? Nothing stops. No. Metros, the subways never stop. They're always 24-7. That was like a shock for me. And it might, it might sound, you know, uh, not that important or minute of a comment. But when you look at the whole city and you think, wow, the subways don't close, it tells you a lot about how the city runs. You know, so there's... Where the priorities da- are. Where the priorities are. You know, you got to go to work. Uh, Manhattan. Everything's open till 3 a.m. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was crazy moving to uh, Canada that everything was open till nine. 
Because in Paris, everything is closed at six, <laughs> and everything is closed on the weekends. Even in a city that has a Paris. Yes, and there's you, nothing. There's nothing open on a Sunday. Don't is, even what's try. The reason? Do wow. people just go home to be with their families? Is that? Why? Yes, that's the reason. It's because we want to give um, people who are business owners some time to have time with their families, some quality time with their families. I fucking love that's, that. That's legit. I love it and I hate it now that I've lived here. Yeah. <laughs> you're, like, you're like, I want the convenience. When I, yeah, the convenience. When I go there, I'm yeah. like, fuck, everything's closed. I can't go and just I buy know. food. You know, It's going to be McDonald's or nothing else. But I like the value system it encourages yeah. in life, right? And if yeah. you think of that, I know I'm getting a little off track here, but if you think about the, the ripple effect... Of, of set of cities and people who are in charge setting up infrastructures that hey we need this running twenty four seven what are business hours nine p.m. every day three a.m. every day versus the six p.m. the rip the knock on effect is oh okay somebody has to has to leave their family to be here yeah. and watch the shop and somebody has to not be with their family to drive the train etc cetera, etc cetera. and then you just you go down this path of getting further and further away from a collective and kind of a community Absolutely. based mindset and, and you create a hierarchy of what's important and, and family and community and connection starts moving further and further down the hierarchy. Yeah. It's just this knock on effect. And it's so interesting to me that one of the contrasts that always, I'm sorry for this little bit rant, but one of the contrasts I've never, never been able to wrap my head around is how can there be so many, and, and I think based on what you're saying, this mm-hmm. is more of a New York and Toronto thing, like mm-hmm. maybe North America thing. How can there be so many people and so many things in one place and everybody still be everybody? Oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, you're about to say it. Say it, say it. Everybody still be so individualistic. Yeah. How do we have so many people and nobody gives a shit about community? And then you look at towns like Brantford, honestly, is a good example of it too. It's not that big of a place, but what matters is community. What matters is the people around you, spending time with your family knowing everybody everybody knows everybody in Brantford, i think basically. it's i think it's because people don't know anything different they've just been conditioned since you know birth pretty much to think that they're going to go to school they're going to get a paper that says you have you you know you're certified with high school knowledge and then you go to college you get the same piece of paper you go to university if you can afford it you get that same piece of paper this this is how I see North America. North America to me is a plant. It's a factory mm. where we create employees. Mm. That's that's how I see it. Okay, that's and, really interesting. And you see it in companies. There's a huge turnover all the time. That's true. Why is it so easy to get a job at the pharmacy? Because people get burned out of these jobs. But we don't care. There's going to be a next 16-year-old who's going to need a job anyway. So... Yeah. It yeah. doesn't really matter. There's going to be an immigrant who's going to need a job anyway. Yeah. Do you feel like Europe was different in that regard? It's difficult to get a job in New York in uh, in Paris. There's okay. a lot more French people, and I'm seeing it in my Instagram. Like a lot of the people that followed me from Paris who saw me move to Canada are all coming here. I get messages from my friends. They're like, "Hey, how is it in Montreal? I'm, I'm thinking of coming because unemployment is high in Paris oh, wow. right now." Yeah. People. My aunt, for example, works for a bank. She's the um, executive assistant of the, uh, I think, marketing marketing manager in that bank. And uh, she's had that job for years. And Well, when you're not being worked to the bone and burnt out, I guess it's... It's amazing for her because she can have kids. She can buy her house. She just got herself a new car, a Mini Cooper, an automatic one, too. Everybody in France drives manual, but she was like, I'm doing it American style. I'm getting an automatic car. 
people here are, you know, old school. I'm like, all right, all right, auntie, you do whatever you want. <laughs> so she got herself a fully loaded mini, mini Cooper. She told me she wanted to come and move here because ever since me and my mom moved here, it seems like my whole family wants to come and join us now. Wow. And she's like, you know, the job would give me a great opportunity. I could come here and have a one year sabbatical. And then if I decided that I did, right? If I decided wow. that I didn't want to stay in Canada, I could go back and have my job. As a very side note tangent, I had this conversation the other day. In a lot of countries in Europe, they force you to take sabbaticals after a certain amount of time. Like right? a lot of companies, I really like that. you earn every five years, you work for four, the fifth year is a forced sabbatical. Bye. <laughs> we don't want to see you in a year. I really like that. Don't come back. You need to get away from work for a bit. Or they do, some companies do like every two years, four months. Goodbye. Don't want to see it. Mm -hmm. I really like it because I think in those moments where you truly sort of guilt-free get to give up some level of responsibility in your life, you then get to explore areas of your life that you never thought. Like yeah. maybe going to a different country, maybe start, starting something that's like a hobby that you never thought before. Mm -hmm. Like the company I work for right now actually does this shadow program where you can go for a couple of weeks and actually do somebody else's job in the company mm -hmm. to in order to like get an exposure to different skill sets and different things. And then after that is over, you come back to your original job and you're still in the company. It's within yeah. the company, but I just, I love that mentality of, because then you get to meet more people. You get to meet people different than you. You get to find different passions. Like I love that mentality. Like let's go on sabbaticals. Like I love that. let's yeah. make it happen. I love that. Yeah. And again, it speaks to the, to the mindset. Yeah. When she told me that my eyes like went wide open, I was like, yeah. you can do that. Yeah. On top of your five weeks vacation a year and all mm -hmm. those holidays. Yeah, starting for everyone listening, starting vacation in Europe is five weeks a year. Cool, not cool, two. Cool, cool, we need to start cool, a petition cool, cool, for cool, cool. for this to happen here because... A month and a week. It is not enough, the amount of vacation time that we have. Yeah. And there's a lot of... She get a lot of uh, traveling packages through her work. Oh, nice. Not so long ago, she did Florida, San Francisco. She paid through her work. Like a oh. one a one thing fee, like maybe 500 or 1000 euros. And she gets a hotel. She gets a car. Oh God. Right. And this, and she's, she's just always on vacation. I look at her feet and I'm like, dude, I haven't even gotten out of the country in nine years. Yeah. All right. I've heard enough. F small talk is taking a sabbatical. We're moving yeah, to Europe. Bye, we'll see you in a year. <laughs> this has been our slice. It's been great. See you in a year. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> So I think the, you know, the individualistic way of life really stems from this sort of factory thing that we've implemented here. You know, people are conditioned to think that they're going to go to school and have a job. And those who are a little more ambitious, ambitious are going to go and try and, you know, get really high position, really high status position. I feel like those ones really stray away from the human side of things more than those who work for in the service industry. My parents are divorced and my mom is very like, she just knows who she is and she marches forward with that. And my yeah. dad has always been more on like, the lens of like, okay, money is the most important, like, gotta move forward. I need yeah. like sort of a wife that's just like needs me and, and isn't as independent yeah. and all this. And like, my mom was so independent and he just like couldn't handle it. Well, yeah. And then like uh, an ex of mine also was very similar to that, where it was like he had, to, he friggin' like had a yacht was his like absolute tier one of like things he wanted in life. And oh I was like, God. I don't understand this, this 
checklist because mm-hmm. it does make you more individualistic. Like yeah. it does isolate you a little bit because then you're focusing so much on like external things yeah. and not internal yeah. things. And I'm just like, you need to focus. The, the internal things is what gets you happiness and satisfaction long term in your life. And you cannot be in a relationship if you're running after things because you're becoming oblivious to the small things that could make yes. you happy that yeah. are right there in front of you the journey is just as important as the the end goal and that was the problem with us i want to play devil's advocate here for a second actually okay i love it it's a it's a role i i play well i think yes yes we always need one of those at the party Devil's Advocate. there we go um and not for the sake of arguing but i think something i've heard before and i think actually has some merit uh but i'm going to repackage it a little bit is that Maybe, maybe for some people, those things are where they find happiness. I know mm-hmm. you said, I know you said for you or for, for people that like us, I guess, happiness comes from the little things along the way, mm-hmm. right? It comes from being around family. It comes from being around friends. It comes from spending time. It comes from making lasting, deep connections, having engaging real mm-hmm. conversations, right? But maybe for some people, their happiness does really come from, hey, how does the way, how, how do other people look at me? Mm-hmm. What do I drive, and what, what what does it make other people feel about me when I drive that? Mm-hmm. And if that if that is their source of happiness, then yes, I I would I would say they should feel empowered to go do those things. The way I'm going to repackage this is I'm going to say I'm not convinced that that is their source of happiness. I think when we talked a little bit earlier about connections, one of the pieces that we kind of slipped onto the table but didn't really dig into too much mm-hmm. is connection with yourself. Mm-hmm. And so I think. If, if this is what makes them happy, then by all means. But I would challenge them to say, do some reflecting. Think about, hey, what is my value system, right? Connect with yourself. Have, that, have those conversations with yourself. What's my value system? What really matters to me? And then if at the end, if after that, you're very sure that all that matters is money, power, fame, cars. I love that. I love that what stuff, you're asking. Then, then fine. Then go do it. I but love what you're I don't asking. trust that it, that is the case. And I agree with that. I don't I don't trust that that's what it is. I think it's insecurities that are repackaged into, well, these are my values. These aren't my insecurities. I think people are reassuring themselves that they don't have a problem and that they're people who have confidence and who know what they want in life. And how do you protect how do you protect yourself from insecurities? You put up walls. You don't understand yourself. Exactly. Right? And that goes back to that isolation. Like think about just like the three of us in the room that when you break down those walls, you open yourself up to these opportunities, but then you also open yourself up to self-reflection, to Mm -hmm. like getting feedback, to having conversations. Like it just, it makes a huge difference. There's an interesting phenomenon, you know, that happens, you know, at a subconscious level where if you tell yourself, uh, you know, like one of the things that I used to do growing up, you know, I just grew up with my mom and my mom, was kind of like this adult and I felt like I had to be an adult, you know, at a very young age. I felt like I had to mature quickly. So one of the things that I told myself is, you know, Ida, you, you don't talk too much, you know, be like an adult, you know, try and like gauge the amount of conversation you're going to have. And the more I told myself that, the more I told myself and just be confident also, you know, don't be scared to ask questions. Just don't just be confident. The more I told myself to just be confident, just be confident. I started becoming a little yeah. more confident, but I think, I was reasonable with how much I told myself to, you know, be confident and I wasn't taking it to a completely different level. So like, I I really like what you're saying, you know, about maybe some people think that they need to, uh, 
to you know go after these things to find happiness happiness i think that people are, I, I think the people who say that are, are are lying to themselves yeah you know uh i'm hearing that we have like we have folks that feel like it's right to be individualistic to put those goals to like drive ahead to not be self-reflective like don't look back and then we have folks who are like let's really get into the moment let's understand people and move forward and i'm like how do we in we've talked about like big cities you feel isolated small cities you feel isolated big cities you feel a sense of community like how do we bridge the gap between bringing people into conversations inserting ourselves into communities we are drawn to like i love that like, i love that mm-hmm. how do we let's like, talk about solutions for yeah. people who do feel isolated and, yeah. and i think you're in a unique position i'd have to talk about this given your experience of having been in a situation where hey i felt isolated and then also being in a situation where i felt that support so if if we're going on danny's train of thought here what are the solutions how can you go about and i think this is where the idea or the conversation about how i'm starting to find my place in in the world that you know isolates people comes into play is I continue to be myself. I continue to ask questions. I continue to be the obnoxious person <laughs> in the room. If some people feel like I'm that person and I feel, I can, I can feel that response from people. Wow, this girl, like, she could really shut up or, you know, she's a little too much. Like, I don't think I would. I feel that it's still there and I don't care. I'm going to continue Snaps. being yes. this person because I'm not going to, and the people who are drawn to that then will come to me. Mm-hmm. So you're a big believer in you attract what you put out. Yeah. Uh, I'm curious just about your music because you talked about like writing things down as helpful and like yeah. turning it into song. Like, have you found then that music is also a way to bring the conversation forward or like bring people in? Like, part of the reason why, and I think maybe that's a, that's a personal thought. A theory, but what I'm seeing is part of the reason people love celebrities is because they are a representation of what people wish they were. Yeah. Openly. Yeah. You know? And freedom. so you watch them and we love them. You know, we love them with all our hearts. Mm-hmm. We would do crazy things for them. We don't even know them personally, but we love, know. Love you, Ariana. We know. <laughs> We know the Yo, idea. Sean. Yo, Sean, you want to hook me up? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> hook we know the idea of them. You know, yeah. we love the love the idea of them, and we love what they talk about in their songs. Yeah, mm. and their songs is just a reflection of what they go through on a daily basis, like yeah. what I go through on a daily basis. I mean, I'm not a I'm not at the Beyonce level, but yeah. it's pretty much the same thing. Like I'll go through some stuff, and I'm upset about him. Put him in a song and then some people are interested because, you know, they feel the same way. So definitely. Music is a connector there. Oh, yeah. I think I think I think that's true. And I any think art form, any art form or any um, any community where you can find common ground. Yeah. Right. Like yeah. any kind of shared passions, shared interests. Like we talked about, it's really easy to feel um, isolated in mm-hmm. an individualistic place like a city, like schools, like any yeah. time there's a, an aggregation of a lot of people. It's easy to get lost in your own and these are competitive environments too exactly and there's a lot of factors and so i think just like you said finding somebody that likes the same music as you or listening to music that you relate to and you're like oh okay yeah that's that person understands me that person feels me yeah going to i don't know uh what do you do what do you do danny <laughs> what do i do <laughs> throw, I play, throw that one i play sports 
Uh, yeah, when I play soccer with... You play um, soccer, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, so I, I've played on a couple of different teams and, like, just there's something about that sense of, like, we all want the same thing here. Like, we're all working towards a similar goal yeah. and and even um, just something as, like, a games night where you, like, come together and, like, I don't know. I just, I love connection. It's fun. So any... It's fun. Yeah, games nights, anything, common ground, shared interests... Following your passions, even even if even if my passion isn't the same as your passion, I find community in that we're both relentlessly pursuing our dreams and our passions. Yeah, right. Even if they're very different, but that's yeah. two people that are doing that that maybe not where not everyone else is. One of the things that I've also liked in Toronto more recently, mm-hmm. and I think we saw this yesterday. Danny and I were downtown yesterday, and um, there's a lot of there's a lot more like spaces, like literally physical places being made in cities. That fosters just sitting down and 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 building community or just being present and being yeah. with somebody. Have you noticed this in some of the cities? No. So cities are starting to realize, or at least people are starting to prioritize that community is being lost in certain areas. And I think the younger generations coming up are like, yeah, we can reinvent space again. Like just because something is here doesn't mean it's permanent or if it has mm-hmm. a function, it has to exist forever. So they're taking things like parking spaces or big sidewalks and turning it into more collaborative spaces, like putting gardens with seating and putting different kinds of seating. That's also awesome. Circular uh, formation so that you're, again, it's building that community. It's like sort of like forcing the environment to start conversations. It's definitely a start. Art, totally. art in big cities on walls and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, murals. Totally. And, murals. And, and reducing the like stigma that like um graffiti is bad and rebellious like now artists are becoming celebrated because again it it brings art and conversations and style to the environment so now you have to pick a word or a phrase to summarize your feelings on the topic of human connection and solutions for dealing in, with an increasingly individualistic society and one I, word to summarize all a word or a phrase, phrase. and i like to throw it out where it's phrase. like i typically approach this last segment as a way to close out my feelings but then also put something into the universe of like this is sort of my advice or my take on it or like my proposal or sometimes i'm just like this really hit home for me and i just want to summarize it with like this is how i feel about it all so it's just that word or phrase that what we've talked about just sort of comes together. Okay. And you can take time. You can take time. I'm good to start so that you guys have some time to let it marinate. I'm, I got something. Percolate oh, in your brain. Damn! Okay. It's there! Okay! <laughs> um, no, re- I think Rihanna said it with her album uh, Unapologetic. And yes, I, hate re- to, re- I, I hate to use that term because of how, you know, trendy it's, and it's been used. Uh, it's been trendy and people were just using it left, right, and center. But uh, yeah, I, j- I would just say be yourself unapologetically. Love I it. love it. I love it. And I think, quite frankly, having uh, had two very, very, what I think are positive interactions with you, I think you embody that already. So I would completely agree. That. I Thank love you. that about you. Yeah, that was one of like, we left the coffee shop being like, oh, damn, she's really cool. <laughs> like, we're, are we that, or is that okay? She's really cool. <laughs> <Stop>. <laughs> No, seriously. Thank you. Because the authenticity is cool. And just like how you just are yourself. It was so clear in the first, yeah. like, I'd say five minutes. You not are even. unapologetically you. And I think that's one of the most powerful things yeah. there is that agree. somebody can be. Damn, it's nice to hear. It's nice to hear it. It's for you know, sure. It, port- it shows. Um, so something I talk. So my mom struggles with individualistic mentality later in her life because she's very isolated and mm-hmm. and how she's built the last like a decade or so of her life mm-hmm. and so we have a lot of intense conversations about 
um, how we process things because she's processing things very individualistically and I'm doing it with the community I've built around me. Mm -hmm. And so something that I've talked to her about that I then have talked to other people about, I think it's just something that it really summarizes my experiences in how far I've come with sharing and being open and communicative and, and open to collaboration with people in, in solving problems and thinking about things is emotions are valuable and I say that I think I've talked similarly in other episodes about this but when I come into an environment and I I start a conversation like Mm -hmm. I bring that emotion because I'm not gonna leave it behind because that's part of who we are like I am an extremely expressive person but I wasn't before it was in my brain and my head and inside but it was like suffocating me now I'm just expressive and I just feel emotions and I'm like we were just watching Queer Eye before this, and I was like, I basically oh, I am about Eye. to cry Man, <laughs> at any cry second. Every episode. It's ridiculous. And know, they're right? starting that conversation of bringing emotions as a way to build community. And I just think like emotions are valuable, and that, that's what it. my phrase is. I love it. Yeah, I love it. And, totally. and you're right. Emotions are a very, very strong building block of community. Um, Here we go. Taking us home, Ashe. To- oh, <laughs> I always do that to you. I'm so sorry. <laughs> 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 it's just music out of here. <laughs> Okay. Um, all right. My uh, my big talk, small summary, is that we talked a lot about human connection and, and kind of the key to unlocking connection with other humans and, and, and the solutions. And my big talk, small summary, is that the first human you need to connect with is yourself. It starts oh, at, yeah. with me. It starts, and I believe this to my core, is that it starts within you. Oh, you yeah. need to know yourself, love yourself, trust yourself, feel yourself, know your values, know what you like, know what you don't like, know what your thoughts are, your feelings are, your emotions are. Yeah. Water your one garden. Have one garden. Only water your own garden. Well right? Not only. I said that wrong. Have one garden, not multiple <laughs> gardens. Water. Focus on that first, and then you'll be able to connect with other people better once you're able to connect with yourself. Totally. Oh, what a visual to leave us on. Okay. No. Brilliant. Garden. Just a beautiful <laughs> garden that we're just watering and it's flourishing and it's, it's great. Amazing. Uh, we want to thank you so much for coming on uh, the podcast. You've been a phenomenal guest. We thank always you, love guys. our conversation with you. And uh, we're happy to have you. Next time we're doing this, we're doing this at the keg while uh, eating steaks. Uh, hey, okay. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> Thank you so funny. much. Thank you. Thank you for listening. If you have questions, comments, concerns, or feedback, you can shoot us an email by emailing fsmalltalk at gmail.com, reach out to us on Instagram at fsmalltalk, or visit our website, fsmalltalk.com. We wanted to give a big thank you to our lovely and talented friend Ada for the musical considerations. She's an amazing up-and-coming independent recording artist specializing in R&B, pop, and funk. She's available for collabs and shows, so if you liked what you heard, simply hit her up on Instagram, at AdaSoLive. That's at A-I-D-A so live. If you want to hear more of her stuff, you can find her at soundcloud.com forward slash Ada so live. That's soundcloud.com forward slash A-I-D-A so live. She's amazing, so definitely go check her out. A big thank you also goes out to Lonnie for producing the awesome track you heard. He is an R&B and hip-hop producer who's worked with major artists, including Drake, Beyonce, and Lil Wayne. He's available to work with at his Toronto studio, so if you're interested, simply check him out on Instagram at HitHouseToronto. That's at HitHouseToronto. So again, big thank you to Ada and Lonnie. This podcast was brought to you by us. And also beer. And also coffee. Because what is sleep even? Also, hi mom. Love you. <laughs>